A warm hello to all of our listeners and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Feminifesto podcast. Today our conversation features Paromita Bartoloy. Paromita is a writer and she uses writing, theater and storytelling as a tool for social awareness and consciousness and has been doing so for more than 10 years. Her work has been published in various platforms like The Quint, Outlook India, Huffington Post, Women's Web, Nat Geo, to name a few. In 2011, she co-founded a street group called Artish, and her troupe has performed across Delhi, Chennai, Uttarakhand, and Rajasthan, engaging with the themes of gender equality, menstruation, and education. She also performed slam poetry in Delhi and Assam, and co-founded the Empathy Circles Initiative. Listen on to learn more about her multifaceted journey. Hi, Paromita. Thank you so much for joining us today with the Feminifesto podcast. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much, Kirti and Vaishnavi, for ha- having me. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Wonderful to hear that. So, you know, let's start right from the beginning, Paromita. Tell us about your growing years and your journey into the work that you do today with Jen. So, uh, I was born and brought up in a very sleepy town in Assam. It's called Rupai, which uh, right now I'm there. So, I was born, uh, brought up in the 90s. So but the world was very very different there was no internet and we had our grandparents and uh, you we didn't have hawkers out here we had to go out and uh, take our newspapers from that one place where everyone brought newspapers and it was a very very close knit community there was one english school when i was growing up we went there and my father had had an ambassador and we had a telephone that had those uh, you know you have to dial in telephones so india was very very different when i was growing up but once the globalization began began i guess 93 94 and late much in the late 90s india started growing and becoming different so i think from that india to this india making that journey which few of us could make it not all of the ones who were born, um, born post internet uh, boom they wouldn't know and uh, we were three daughters and one brother and we all went to the same school including our cousins and uh, it was nice but having said this i would also say that uh, that was also the time insurgency was uh, very at, at peak in uh, assam and i come from a place where it was Uh, one of the most uh, disturbed areas so most of my childhood that i remember was you know i have seen military trucks so it was such a sleepy town we don't even have a town committee still now we have a panchayat i remember coming back from home and we just saw military trucks coming and we were so little we didn't understand what was happening and we were waving at the you know military men and we didn't know that day you know operation bajrang was launched in our town and uh, those things stayed and we have seen the ups and downs we have seen emergency in our childhood and then you know we grew up through a very turbulent time but it was also learning for us yes and uh, but the community was very strong we still have poetry we still had music we still had uh, functions we still had schools that we went to education was important and in 94 i lost my father to a car accident and i have been raised by my mother all alone 
And that has impacted me because uh, my mother's friend or neighbors were women who would come to her house. So I can say that being with women, men with my sisters, at the end of the day, by destiny or design, I don't know. But I've always been sur surrounded by very strong women. And that is all I one uh, that is all I knew. And at the end of the day, I started writing about it, talking about it. Until school, it was okay. I was not very, very, you know, uh, exposed to the gender games because uh, Assam is not that gendered. I don't say we are uh, not into patriarchy and misogyny. It is there. But still, if you go out to the market today, you will see enough women. I mean, half of the population is women in the um, town. And our post, uh, post woman, we have a post woman for 17 years. I was having this conversation with her yesterday. And uh, she uh, was telling that in the 17 years of being a post woman, she has never ever faced harassment. And that is how she can be. One of my cousin aunt is a nurse. And I was asked, she comes late night all alone. And I was asking her that, aren't you afraid of coming all alone? She says, no, the guys come back from factory. And so the road is lit so I can come back. So these are the things that I have seen in grown up. But then I went to Delhi. And that is when I saw gender game very, very rudely because I remember going to college from hostel. I stayed in a private hostel and I went to Miranda and the first thing I saw a man was, uh, you know, showing his genital to me. What audacity is that? And that was the day my first brush and the first hard brush at patriarchy was in my, uh, right in my face. And Miranda taught me a lot about gender. I studied literature, feminist literature. And that is how I began. I started writing and the journey is on. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ms. Paromita, and especially for taking us down memory lane and reminding us of the peaceful pre-internet times in the world. But at the same time, it was very disheartening to hear about how insurgency impacted um, your childhood and how it was so normalized uh, for you. But thank you so much for sharing that. Um, can you tell us about uh, the first story that you worked on in this space and how have things changed since then? Okay, I'll tell you. So, um, you know, when you were very young, I was like in sixth, seventh standard, I wrote something. It was for a children magazine and all those was nice. But in my 10th standard, one of my friend's sister was married. She was just 18 and they found a nice guy and uh, they married her off. And that was the first day in my life I realized why. Because she was a girl, right? And that was the first poem I wrote that uh, everything is okay because she is a woman. So that was my first uh, um, writing that uh, that was against the uh, patriarchy and the rules that we live in. And then you grow up, you see the world, you read so much, you see, and that uh, and one of this incident, one of the huge incident, uh, Nirbhaya rape case. I was there in Delhi, and those were that was also a renaissance. For me as a woman, because everything as a woman that I do is at the end of the day very political. It was that uh, time, 2012, made me realize and I was writing and I have been doing, I've been doing street plays, doing slams, doing storytelling, doing circles and it's been, the journey has been on. And I don't know how much has changed but I just see a lot more women speaking up now than they spoke up then. 
and uh, we were there um, 18 yeah we went for a walk we called it midnight walk so because women cannot take uh, the public spaces at night so the day nearby was raped which was 16th we took that as a memorial and all some 25 30 girls just went out to walk late at night at that cold, cold, you know, December night in Delhi. From the, from the same place, uh, she went from a movie uh, till the place uh, uh, where she was thrown away. You know, after being raped, we started walking. And uh, that was an experience. Uh, I still have shivers in my spine when I think about it because once you walk through that lanes, those lanes, those uh, roads, where and uh, you read the newspaper reports, you remember everything. And uh, those things come back and still realize what a gendered country we live in. That uh, most of the things are just, you know, decided by the genital that we have. And how sad that can be. It's very sad when you really, really see through things and you understand things. It is sad. So, yeah, that's been the journey and uh, I'm learning and I'm living it, yes. Thank you so much for putting all of that so gently, Paramita. Uh, I can imagine that these are they're not just how they sound, right? They also feel a certain way. Even reminiscing brings up very difficult memories. So first of all, I'd like to apologize for triggering you and also I'm very grateful that you were so accommodative of us to share your responses there. No, it, it, it isn't triggering. I never talk to something triggers. I, I wouldn't have talked. I have held to this part. And that is why I'm talking about it. So of yes. Course. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for clarifying that. So one of the things that came through in what you were sharing in the last answer was um, that you, you also talk about very difficult topics, topics that are perhaps taboo, topics that are not commonly discussed. So can you tell us what goes into the process of building your stories and articulating realities that are difficult to maybe grapple with? Okay, I'll tell you something. I, 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 I don't know, is it, this is by destiny or design? I don't know, but I have loneliness anxiety, so I can't stay in a house all alone. I have to notice someone is coming back in a day too, or in the night. So I have always stayed with roommates. So understand 15 years of my journey in Delhi, I've stayed with more than 100 women. And can you imagine the experience, the, the physical, when you are in the same physical space, you see the person completely, right? When they're angry, when they're happy, they are parents. I have seen so many marriages happening right in front of me, breaking up how people talk on telephone, what they talk, and uh, this experiences. I'm not a very well-traveled woman. I don't like traveling, going out and meeting people. But when I stay with people in the same room, in the same physical space, that can be extremely educating in what that human beings can teach you. I don't know if a place, a mountain, a sky can teach me. You know how people fail, how patriarchy affects each one of them, how arranged marriage have, happens, how lies are spoken, how in the green, you know, how in the um, uh, cover of being gifts, you know, dowry is still given. And I've seen the best of families. So I always pick up something that, you know, makes me wonder and ponder. And that is how I write. I haven't, I don't believe I have written something that is new. Everything is happening. It's just that most people don't talk about it. 
so beautifully said miss paromita thank you so much for all that you do to encourage people to talk about taboo things and for encouraging people to basically seek healing by voicing what's on their mind thank you so much um so let's talk about artish now can you tell us what is it all about and what led you to go on this initiative okay so in uh, when i was in miranda we had this uh, hindi the hindi dramatic society it was Uh, so i was i was in a bad stage because from assam i can't speak hindi that well but uh, once we went out of the school sorry college so again the same girls who also graduated got together and they found artish i'm not a good actor to be honestly so i said i'll again do backstage but uh, sometimes there's a lack of actor so i go there but however you know maybe i don't know how to act but you see things most of the topics that we take up is gender right so we did uh, a, one of my favorite experiences doing on menstruation and childbirth in a village in uttarakhand it's a very very remote village and uh, people were asking us that can you go to the prime minister because in delhi to tell us that mm-hmm. you know we don't have um physical um for uh, for birth we don't have a great hospital so these are the things that i learned most of our plays street plays has always been on gender you know going in the streets of delhi and just performing that will tell teach you more about gender than what most classes can teach you so doing so till 2016 and 17 i was very active but then other things took precedent over it but experience that i had in artish the things i learned on the streets which people who someone can be a ceo someone can be a rickshaw man there can be anyone yet you are there your only um, prop is your body and your voice and how to use it and how people react that was an experience that uh, that taught me and made me i guess some of who i am today so that was pretty amazing definitely and it sounds absolutely amazing too it reminds me of um, uh, the theater of the oppressed because it is really a powerful way to progress towards powerful way to portray realities by effectively holding up a mirror to society um, so thank you for sharing that um paramita going back to one of your early answers when you talked about poetry and all this listening to you talk for me personally felt like i was listening to poetry it was beautiful <laughs> so so can you tell us a little bit about that side of your work um where you revive if not uh, create the idea of the personal um through slam poetry the one contact you can have with your audience and that's something i do which is uh, also a part of my storytelling i also do storytelling so these are the little things i do that I didn't like when my teacher in my nursery class she didn't take me in the dance class in the dance tribe because I wasn't that beautiful as my friend was so from there I start from personal everything becomes political from the now it comes to a brand that I can buy and how the advertisers are selling us so how personal can be extremely political that is how I tell everything is personal but at the end of today in the macro it is political nothing nothing is just out of the box everything has a history everything has a um policy that is made 
And uh, once you're aware of the, you, it, you understand that your whole existence, existence is actually political. So for me, personal is political. When I tell a personal story, in the macro, it is a political story. So personal to political is my uh, journey of my art, my sp writing, speaking, you tell anything. At the end of the day, it is a political statement, I believe. Yes, absolutely agree with you, uh, Ms. Paromita, about the personal being political. So thank you for reminding us and reaffirming one of these core uh, feminist principles. So one thing that we've noticed with um, all of your different strands of work uh, and the core themes of your work is the empathy-driven approach, be it in the stories or in the poetry poetry that you present. And this also finds massive ampli amplification in the empathy circles. So can you tell us a bit about how this came about and what are these empathy circles about? Okay. So the whole point is that five year, five uh, thousand years of civilization, yet we don't have safe spaces where we can say who we are, right? Everyone has to say something to, you know, to fall into a Mm, uh, stereotype uh, how a man should be how a woman should be everyone wants to talk about their heroic experiences of course we do have our experiences where we share how we went down and then inspirational talks right but uh, 2018 i started with a friend of mine there's this circle called the empathy circle where we sat across uh, in circles and we talked about our life lesson so we give a topic, relationship. Every human being has learned something from relationship or maybe from friend, friendship or any other thing. So the most interesting thing is that when strangers see it, people feel safe because no one is going back and telling their stories to anyone. And the kind of stories that people tell, it will leave shivers down your spine. So once we were doing this uh, circle on relationship, and I thought that most people tell relationships with their spouses and lovers, we thought about that. But people started talking that what is their relationship with them? With their disease, with an autoimmune disease. How they live with it and how they talk to their disease and what the disease talks back. So in the circles, basically, we used to talk about whatever you want to talk. Because I strongly, this is my uh, thing, that whatever we start talking about, we heal 50% of it. Whatever we hide, the pain goes twice. So what happens when five, 10 people listens to your story and uh, without judgment, you feel heard, you feel seen. So I completely believe that, uh, um, you know, the need of a human being, more than food and shelter, is people are asking, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you feel my existence? Do I exist? Am I good enough? These are the questions I feel every human is asking. And do you see the behavior in social media? Everyone wants to put a beautiful picture. Everyone wants to tell how good they are. Everyone is just telling someone to say, do you see me? How many followers we have? That whole feeling is being amplified. So in this circus, what we do is that we hear everyone's story. We don't question. We don't judge. We listen. And you know, when you feel valid, you, you feel healed. 
So this is how the circles uh, went on. But then I shifted my base to Assam now. And that was a Delhi-based thing. So I st I'm starting this thing called Let's Huddle India. So what right now I'm doing is every day there's a circle. Even I will have it today at 7 p.m. India time. So what we do, we, we just go online. And at least five to six people, we talk. Anything you want to talk. If you are feeling you know, panic attacks, or you want to share a joke, or you want to tell about loneliness, anything you want to talk, you can. And because all, most of them are strangers, people tell us amazing stuff. Like yesterday, someone was telling that uh, he was working in a call center in Canada, and people would call him for two to three hours just to talk to them about their kids, about their families, about how they feel, because people have become that lonely. They call up call centers just to have a conversation. So these are circles that uh, right now um, I am doing. Let's uh, huddle India. That is completely my initiative right now, just to let people talk who they are, what they are, and at the end of today, just another human being saying, "Hey, you see, I hear you. I see you. I feel you. And you know what? You are okay." That's the basic thing of what we are doing at uh, Let's Huddle India now. And this is going to be my life work. The, the circles that I'm doing, it will be offline also. Right now it is online. It will go offline also. We'll meet people. And I want to have this session. I have not done it because right now I want to do, once I go, go back to Delhi, where I want to have a session with all men who, who have been through you know, domestic abuse or sexual abuse. This is something I really want to do. And have a conversation with, and that session will only have man. And another session about what is to be a man in 21st century. We're all talking about masculine, um, you know, toxicity, toxic masculinity. But can we hear what the men are talking? Can we listen to them? So these are the listening circles that uh, now I plan to, you know, march with, uh, with uh, Let's Huddle India. And uh, this is something I have realized that uh, um, will be my uh, life work. That was so beautiful. Much for sharing that. Um, it's, it's incredible to see this as um, a tool of peace building, truly. I'm sorry I interjected there, but I just wanted to share it. Um, you're doing so much heal intergenerational trauma. Yes, yes, it does. Absolutely, absolutely. Panamita, um, you're, you're doing a lot of work, holding space um, in communities, working with very difficult themes. Um, have you faced any pushback or resistance from anyone and how have you dealt with it? The whole thing is that, see, the world isn't waiting for you to come and change it, right? It goes in its own way. Let us be honest, the world was before you and it will be after you. Once you have that humility in life, that understanding that you are just a small cog in the whole will, yet you can start cleaning your own part. So even if it comes, even if it says, that humility has always saved me. My saving uh, grace in life has always been humility. So I just take it that even if tomorrow you say something about me and what is she doing? She's just, she's that. I'm humble enough to understand that, that, that your views about me don't matter as I might not matter 
that much to the whole conspiration of the whole thing of the universe. But it's okay. I'll still walk the path that I think is right. And we will see what happens. Humility has been my greatest grace. And that is how I, I believe so much work gets done. And grace has worked always in my life. And that is how I take it. And grace, I just say that it's okay. No one is that important. Even I am not. That has helped me to take everything in my stride and keep moving on because my work is such that I'm very, very open to public opinion, public spaces, and very, very different people. And everyone will have an opinion about me. Some great, some might not be great. But both are not that important that I will stop my work or I will only work for appreciation. So that has always helped me grow and heal and be the person that I am. Yes. Those are some powerful words of advice and they're very reflective of your gentleness and your empathy. So thank you so much for sharing that. Power and strength to you and here's hoping that you succeed in every one of the endeavors you're setting up to do. Um, thank you so much for your time with us on today's episode. We're so grateful to have had this conversation with you. It was lovely talking to both. Thank you. Thank you.